Welcome to Ooh, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens in the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on Tuesday nights, we break down all of the D1 women's action. And for the first weekend in some time, we had one of those, dare I say, typical regular season weekends in the college tennis world where you had fantastic fantastic action spread out across the country, not just top 16 battles, but we have shades of conference play here and there. We have plenty of non-conference action to break down as well. We've got a jam-packed show for all of you college tennis fans. And joining me, as he always does, to help break it all down is a man you know best as a returning champion of returning champions here on our Crack Racket shows, the co-host of these Deciding Point episodes founder of the No Ad No Problem blog and podcast and my dear friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. I didn't know where you were going with that intro about the weekend, but you're right. It was shades of normalcy post indoors, you know, a week after indoors, you know. So yeah, it was a little bit more of a normal weekend and we're really getting into the groove now, aren't we? Yeah, it was like you have a 10 a.m. Eastern time here, a couple of 12 o'clock, then a 3 p.m., maybe a 6 or a 7 on the West Coast. It did that. You're right. It, I, maybe you heard my hesitation in the intro as well. I think that's the way to describe this past weekend. It was a standard weekend. You had plenty of top teams in action, maybe not national indoor stakes, but still plenty of data provided for us to break down here on today's show. And of course, that's what Jay Plant and I plan on doing. We're going to break down all of the biggest results from the past week in the Division One women's college tennis world. We'll talk about the headliners. We'll offer some things we think you all should know. Then, of course, we'll get into our Cracked Rackets rankings, the newest ITA rankings. We'll preview a very fun week ahead, talk about our Cracked Rackets plans for the next few months as well, and get into so much more. Like I said, jam-packed show for myself and Jay here tonight. Of course, the reason we're able to do these shows day in, day out, week in, week out, is because of the support we get from all of you in College Tennis Nation, and of course, the support we get from our dear friends at LS. You see the hoodie. It's back. I'm at my most comfortable. I'm guaranteed to put in a good show today because when you're comfortable, you're going to perform well. And when you're wearing an LS hoodie, I promise you will be comfortable. Of course, it's not just the hoodies. They offer so much more. You saw the collared shirt over the course of the past few weeks. I'll bring it out on special occasions here this year. But again, to check out the entire LS catalog, be sure to click on the link in the description to this podcast. We are so excited to be partnering with our friends here at LS moving forward. With that said, Jay, let's get into the headliners. And there were a bunch we could choose from to start today's show. Let's start with the team we have had as the number two team in the country coming out of the national indoors. That, of course, is the Texas A&M Aggies. And we said it last week for this Aggies team that doesn't play a ton of non-conference popcorn matches. Yes, they have a full SEC calendar to get through. Obviously, we saw them at the national indoors as well, but this was really their last big non-conference foray into the thick of things, and they come out of it undefeated. You look for this Texas A&M team. They put together a 3-0 and week wins over Ohio State, Northwestern, and FIU. Of course, it's a second win over the Buckeyes, whom they beat at the national indoors as well. 
what's your biggest takeaway from this A&M weekend? Well, I think you were pretty generous there in describing their <laughs> scheduling in the past. I mean, you know, we can say it, they have not scheduled very tough out-of-conference matches, right? They've relied heavily on their SEC conference play, which over the past few years has not been as strong relative to years past. And so what that has meant is that last year, you know, they run the table in the SEC and you still have doubts about how good is this Texas A&M team. What I love about have doubts. Let the record say you have doubts. I do not have doubts. No, sorry. It has to be sure. said. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, one of us was right. The other was wrong. <laughs> uh, what I loved about this weekend, and it really didn't dawn on me until after the Ohio State match was both Ohio State and uh, the Northwestern match were played at Lake Nona, the host of the NCAA National Championships this year. And they played them back to back. So they turned right around after that Ohio State win and played Northwestern. Guess what you have to do in Orlando in May? You got to win those matches back to back. So I love that they not only scheduled a few more out of conference matches, that they played them in Lake Nona and they scheduled them back to back. That's great preparation for what they hope to do in May. That was my biggest takeaway is I think we could very well look back at this weekend and say, they got familiar with the conditions. They got familiar with the facility, surrounding area. They found their Chipotle that they want to go to. They're comfortable <laughs> here. Uh, so I thought this was a really promising sign for them. And it helped that they looked good and, and returned to the number two ranking this week. Yeah, I think they'll explore Booth Park a little bit more when they're there in May because it's a fun place to be. I think it's Booth. Maybe it's Boxy. It might be Boxy. Either way, you know the place I'm talking about, Jay. Um, my takeaway from the weekend Three things as it relates to their lineup. The doubles is real. They won the doubles point in all three matches. Didn't they lose it to FIU? I thought, did they lose it to FIU? I think they Um, lost it to FIU. They did lose it to FIU. Okay, but they bounce back. They win the next two. Great shot by you. Poor choice by me. I blame the travel. Um, They bounce back. They win the next two. Um, It is interesting. I mean, again, I think Brandstein and Stoyana at the number one spot are legitimately top 10 good and that kind of leads me into my next point stoyana and kupras are just the real deal you feel like they're going to put two points on the board in 95 percent of the matches that a&m plays and you look for stoyana who i know for certain was 2-0-1 on the weekend was up 5-1 in the one match she didn't finish and you know for kupras she goes 3-0 on the weekend as well kupras is very very good Again, we saw this level from Stoyana in the fall where she makes quarterfinals All-American, quarterfinals fall mats. That was real success. And then, you know, they were able this weekend to, dare I say, you know, rest the big dogs. Like, Brandstein doesn't have to play all three of these matches. Ewing doesn't have to play all three of these matches. Should Goldsmith want to sit one out, they have options in Morales, in uh, Pilot to that you feel pretty good about against most teams at those five, six positions. And when you have two young underclassmen in Cooperson and Stoyana who are going to be able to play every match, because that's what young legs can do. Like it's nice that they're going to be able to pace some of the older players on their roster who have been injury. Uh, it's not fair to say they're injury prone, but certainly Brandstein has had her injuries. And, you know, again, you can just pace everyone. Uh, yeah, I come out of this weekend feeling really good if I'm Texas A&M, other than the fact that they dropped doubles against FIU, but they bounced back pretty well. We're going to talk about Ohio State a little bit later, so we'll save that. Any thoughts on Northwestern, FIU, their resolve on the weekend? 
I think Northwestern is going to have a tough go at it this year. I think given the rise that Ohio State and Michigan have made and that Wisconsin Northwestern match, I don't know when it's happening, but schedule that one because that's one that Northwestern desperately needs to win to stay competitive in the Big Ten. Um, but ultimately, I think this weekend was about you know Texas A&M and validating what we saw at indoors, right? Sometimes you can see teams fade away and that certainly didn't happen. Yeah, 10 and 1 now are the Aggies. They're 45 and 8 in individual singles matches, 20 and 4 in individual doubles matches. That is pretty solid uh, for this Texas A&M team to start the season and to your point back up to number two, which is where we had them last week as well. But let's move on to our next headline team. How about Pepperdine? Another team that went down to Florida, played a couple of road matches against Florida, against UCF, 4-0 victories against both teams. And I'm going to steal the headline here. Shannon Brodus flexed the muscles throughout the course of this weekend. They go combined, what is it, I guess, 8-0, 6-0, however you want to combine it, because they each earn two singles victories. They win both of their double sets. You know, for Brodus, a 1-1 win against UCF, a 1-2 win against Florida. I don't, like, Zar was up 6-4-3 all on Dudney. Uh, Zar wins 2-1 against UCF. I don't know how you don't play Brodus one. Like, and, and Chad wins both of her matches, too. It's just like they, this team has the superstars we thought they have. They go on the road. They get too much needed wins. Yeah, I was going to say the downfall of Lisa Zara, she probably plays longer points. So she just doesn't finish <laughs> these matches, right? Uh, where Savannah Brodus is uh, hitting you know, more winners, playing a little bit more quickly, we'll say. Um, but yeah, and both of them look great. They look great in doubles as well. I feel like they could walk out on, you know, the WTA stage right now and be extremely competitive in doubles. Look, the question about this Pepperdine team is not the strength up top, right? We have known that coming into the season. It's been validated here, uh, particularly as they move outdoors, feel very comfortable outdoors in the, the Florida weather. The question is at the bottom, right? And they still have only six healthy players, right? You have Redlick and Ana Campania at the five and six positions. And, you know, those can be potentially question marks for them as they move forward in the season. Just any time you have only six players that are going to factor in, injuries become a real question. Campania wins all three sets. She finishes, was up 3-2 as well against UCF in the second. Redlick was solid this weekend, and they get a win in doubles as well. I mean, that's the thing, though, against the it's Redelick versus Goldsmith. It's Campana versus Yarlagata or Tran, depending on the day. Those are the matchups. If you're Pepperdine, yeah, you have to think about that said. Uh, again, you feel like they're up 1-0 at that number one double spot on the right day. And I don't care who's on the other side of three. I'm taking Savannah Brodus, and I feel pretty good about that point. And again, when we come down to the margins, it are it is the sure things because you know there are going to be a lot of three setters. Getting those matches done in straight sets means everything, and you feel like Pepperdine has players who on the right day. Chen when she's firing the serve the forehand, Brodus. Period. Um, you just feel pretty good about some of the Pepperdine pathways to four points, and I don't imagine are they back in the top ten this week with those wins? Yeah, they are. Yeah, and I I don't know if they're going to fall out anytime soon, and they've got a fun weekend ahead as well. Well, they're in the top 10. I think they're at 10 exactly in the ITA rankings. They're in with just a four-pointer as their number five win because coming into indoors, right, the only matches they had was kickoff weekend. So they're still pretty untested. I think you said Texas A&M's record is 10 and one, right? You know, Pepperdine's played. They're what, five and two? 
Yeah, they played like half that basically. Um, But I will say on Pepperdine, right? Pepperdine is a team, you know, they're in the WCC. So they have to schedule matches uh, out of conference across the board, across the country to get those wins. You know, last season you saw them take, do the Midwest swing Mm -hmm. almost twice, Michigan, Ohio State. Then they did the Oklahoma swing and the uh, indoors and indoors, right? Now a lot of those teams are coming to them. So they benefit from that. A lot of these other teams, particularly these teams in the Pac-12, and we talked about it with Texas A&M, you probably need to schedule like this regardless because the reality is is you're not sure what your conference is going to look like on down years. You're now looking at a Stanford, a USC, and a UCLA. They don't even have the matches on the board to really stay competitive down the home stretch. Pepperdine has no issues traveling out of state Go to Florida, go to Oklahoma, go to the Midwest. You pretty much have to do that now to ensure that you have the nine wins you need to be a top eight seed coming NCAAs. Yeah, uh, well said. And, you know, again, I think this Pepperdine team who I know they have Michigan this weekend. I forget who the other team they have this weekend as well. We'll get to that in the week ahead. Who is it? You, and it's you Oklahoma, know. Oklahoma State, isn't it? Yeah, that you're right. And it's funny that Michigan and Oklahoma State have become travel partners because they've already played twice. And like, you want to go out west? And they just should they we should play a third time. Yeah, um, you think it would be Ohio State and Michigan doing the like <laughs> you know out west swings together? Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, again, I see your point about Pepperdine. I still am buying stock in that team. Where are you with Florida? Because that's another team, five and two overall, haven't played a ton of matches, like wins over USF, Arizona, Baylor, Florida State. You know, the losses are 4-2 to A&M, 4-0 to Pepperdine now. Those aren't bad losses. Those are two of the 10 best teams in the country. Now, they've got A&M again this weekend in Gainesville, as well as LSU. They have to go one and one, probably this weekend, keep the top 16 hopes alive. They have a fun match, March 22nd of Wednesday, Michigan at home, looking at their schedule. That's a fun one in the midst. What is the rest of an SEC conference? Shout out to Michigan. Speaking of scheduling, I mean, going on the road to Gainesville, we've talked about this before of just, I mean, Coach Bernstein said, I'm not letting this, you know, this is going to be in my control, right? We're either going to be a top 16, top eight seed based on my own scheduling, I'm not going to rely on the Big Ten uh, to step up. So huge credit to her for that. This Coach Shaw played AM in Orlando this weekend. So did Coach Pollard, by the way. Like it's across yeah. the board. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> McKenna uh, went down. Coach McKenna went down to Auburn early in the year, played Auburn, played UNC. Like it's happening. It it is happening and it's exciting. I wish the Pac 12 was. It is exciting. Notes. Uh, it's very exciting. This is a, this is a really exciting time of year for those reasons in particular. It's why I secretly love the fact that the Big 12 on the men's side only has six teams because they only have so many conference matches. So it's just a free for all for where they're filling up the rest of their spots. Uh, so on Florida, though, I, I'm kind of holding my cards until this weekend, I guess. Uh, we'll see how they fare again against Texas A&M. It was a weird kickoff weekend it was like almost rained out they have to play that match at Baylor so mm-hmm. we'll see a little bit more then I mean the benefit that Florida has is there are already a lot of highly ranked SEC teams that they can feast off of right if they can get a win over an Auburn over a Tennessee uh not even a Texas A&M or a Georgia they will be in decent position and they've got two chances at that during the regular season and the conference tournament yeah, and I like the pieces on this team. Again, they're very young, but like I think Dudney can play. 
Briggs is going to fight at that one spot. Dahlstrom has weapons. Now, again, we've got a lot of freshmen, sophomore. I'm not sure about in the bottom of their lineup. No idea what their doubles is going to look like moving forward. But it's it's interesting. They're solid everywhere and or at least intriguing pieces everywhere. I agree with you. So that LSU match on Sunday is really the one I'm circling uh, because Why? I think because again, I think LSU's pretty solid. Like I, I think they've got some returners, they've got some depth. If Florida like that's a if you want to be a top sixteen seed, you gotta win that match at home. That's why. And it's like, well, if they lose that one, okay, they're probably out of that conversation firmly this year. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to prove that you're a top 32 team, you need to be beating LSU. No, but Certainly. here's the difference. Five and two this year. It's like we've seen them play seven matches. That's why. It's like I need to see it. And again, if they're a good team, they'll show that against LSU and they'll win it 4-1 at home, yeah. right? Like, yes. that's why. Yeah. Yeah, well, they need to. I mean, beating LSU will not <laughs> get them into the top 16. Uh, it will maybe prevent them from being there if they do lose. Uh but I don't think that LSU team is very good. Yeah. I mean, again, we'll find out this weekend. Um, UCF, 5-4 and four overall losses, 4-3 at Tennessee, 4-0 Pepperdine, 4-1 at Auburn, 4-1 uh, at Vanderbilt. Still have Virginia, Miami, NC State, Georgia Tech, Clemson on the schedule. They've got their conference play as well. I mean, I don't see top 16 in the path. They'd really have to beat someone. They still have some some matches on their schedule. But where are you with this UCF team? If they make the well, if they make a super regional, is it going to shock you? Uh, I guess it wouldn't shock me. But yeah, I mean, this UCF team, it's like we saw last season. They lose a lot, but they also huh. stay highly ranked because they pretty much play, play matches, really yeah. tough teams. So you're going to see them drop a lot of matches. Um, we'll see there. It's not a top 16 caliber team. Can they make the top 16 of the NCAA tournament? Yes, but they are outside of the tier of these top 16 teams that we've seen at indoors to start the season. All right, let's move on to our next headline. We had our first shades of ACC play as UVA hosted the tobacco road duo. They took on Duke uh, UNC at home and they split the weekend, which is what they needed. They go one and one. They beat Duke four three. They get knocked off by UNC four one. Let's start with the Duke match for this Virginia team. They go out. They take the doubles point. Uh, you know, Travinsky, Subash playing that number two spot. They're seven in the country. They're playing two. They get a six two win over Jackson Coleman, and then Adams collared six four at the number one spot. So they take the doubles point. They then get wins uh, from Subash at two, Shake at five and Ziadato with the clinch at four. Now it's worth noting no Georgia drummy in singles or doubles for this Duke team. She's still out nursing that back injury. And that feels relevant because we know the best version of this Duke team certainly will feature a healthy Georgia drummy. That said four, three Virginia won the matches. They played darn well to do it. Jay, your assessment of this win. Yeah. The other relevant fact is that Annabelle shoe, the freshman for Virginia is out on crutches. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she looked excellent in indoors. Uh, I think she has a lot of upside for that Virginia team. So that was tough to see if you're a Virginia fan, given the the promise that she holds there. Uh, So to get this done, you know, at home is, is a really good win for them. I think one of the big takeaways is that the Virginia doubles is real. They look really strong in doubles. I think the players that got the wins. And for the record, they take it against both teams. You exactly. And yep. Duke, that, yeah. yeah, they go two and no in dubs. 
I think the players that you mentioned who got the wins against Duke in Shubash, Shake, and Ziodato, those are some of their more experienced players at Virginia. Those are probably going to be the players they'll rely on consistently. I don't know how much longer they will have Julia Adams at number one, but both she and Elaine Trevinsky at three are struggling. Um, neither one of them have even won many matches this dual season. So those are some tough points to be giving up against these top teams. But ultimately getting that win, it kind of, it's not, I don't love that they have to play so early right after indoors. These are matches that you'd prefer to see in March or April. But this was a swing that Virginia went 0-2 last year. So to get the win over Duke, helpful timing. And I just this Duke team is just not where we think they'll be in May. I will say, I'm pretty sure, look, because I put the schedule together for the ACC yesterday, spoil, uh, tease alert, I'm pretty sure Duke-North Carolina is the last matchup of the year for both teams in ACC play. So, Isn't it always? That's a good tradition. Um, I'm I'm down. Um, yeah, it was I, it was last year, right? Because North Carolina went to Durham, they lost, uh, and then they had to rebound immediately for ACCs, where they lost again. Yeah, no. To your point, though, on the Adam Subash situation, one two Subash gets the win over Mora, and then she's up six four six all on Brant Meyer. Adams zero two on the weekend. Yeah, you switch that, you feel fine about it. Now you feel really good about Subash at two. So you try to get away with it as long as you for maybe as long as you can. I just don't know if you can any longer. Um, yeah, I mean, again, Travinsky struggling did go three sets with Tan Gillig in the first match on the weekend. I think it's worth noting we saw Scotty in singles in that matchup against Virginia uh, against Virginia and the person we didn't see uh, in singles. No Abby Forbes uh, for UNC in that matchup. She didn't play in the doubles either. Uh, just worth noting again in the luxury they have when you really go seven All-Americans deep. Um, yeah, good response, I would say, from UNC to drop the doubles point, get four wins and what, three of them in straight sets. And mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, it was a good performance for UNC on the road. I agree. I don't take much. I still like we're still Schwetz gets in action for Duke. And for what it's worth, she gets a three set win over Collar. That feels relevant, right? As they try to figure out, is it Briscolova? Is it Schwetz? Is it Coleman? What's our order in the bottom of the lineup? Yeah. I mean, again, it it, it right now, the ACC is UNC drop uh, NC State drop Duke, you know, Virginia than the rest. Yeah. I mean, it'll be really curious to see it, what Bryce Golova and Schwetz look like in May, because yeah, this sure. is not what we were promised uh, <laughs> when you bring in, you know, two former top 25 players, two players who have played number one at their respective institutions in the Ivy league. And both of them, you know, struggling to start. Uh, and so if they can adopt to, you know, playing power five tennis week in week out what that means on the the daily training schedule and they start to look a lot better in may that will really change the calculus here but you know it's not like oh they're struggling with an an, an, a clear injury like georgia drummy is that part i think is is a big question because they've struggled um and those were going to be like surefire wins at the bottom of that lineup yeah by the way drummy i think i said earlier she didn't play double she did with briscoe they got a win at three unc wise just quick question on them. They dropped doubles against AM. They dropped doubles here against Virginia. Do you switch up the pairings? 
Yeah, I don't know why you. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, just to I mean, try you, something new. Why not? Just to try something new. I mean, you you have two pairs that you have in Crawley and Tangelig, right? And Scotty and Brantmeyer. I mean, those are all four strong doubles players. The right? thing is, it's so are Forbes and Tran. Mix them in. Like you feel like you could rearrange the pieces together. Like, yeah. What about? I mean, Brantmeyer at. I, I mean, here's the thing. I like the teams they have. That is the problem. Is I'm thinking like, where do you change him? I know, but don't you just like them on you just like them on paper, right? Like yeah, the results sure. aren't there right now during the dual seasons. But what do you switch? We've seen Crawley and Scotty play together. Obviously, they were great last year as yeah. well. Do you, do you so try you Scotty did... Tan Gillig and Crawley and Brantmeyer? Or what if you did, you know, Crawley and Scotty and Tan Gillig and Brantmeyer? Yeah. Sorry. Or Scotty and Scotty and Forbes, Brantmeyer, Tran, Crawley and Tan Gillig stay together there. That didn't work. But again, yeah. You could you could play Russian roulette. Yeah, you could you could play with a lot. I mean, now you're starting to get in. I mean, they're going to have some wiggle room, right? They've played UVA um, now and they don't play Duke to the last match of the season. There's only a few other like landmines potentially in their schedule. Yeah, exactly. So they have room, you know, to play around. But yeah, I mean, again, this is a team where if they win doubles, you feel like they're impossible to beat, but they're dropping doubles. So they're going to want to fix that real soon. Yeah, well said. All right, let's move on to our final headline. As you like to frame it, the battle of the last two NCAA champions, Stanford goes to Austin, Texas. As I like to frame it, the the truth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Stanford goes on the road to Texas. They drop the doubles point, yet they earn a 5-2 win over the Longhorns. Shout out to the Longhorns for honoring Peyton Stearns. Shout out to the new WTA event in Austin. Shout out to the Austin airport, which was awesome in my three hours there layover coming back from LA oh. yesterday. Yeah. You um, didn't have to drive in or out and the construction is terrible, but inside <laughs> okay. it's nice. Okay. Yes. Inside. Very, very nice. Uh, shout out to the Stanford team who we talked about their top four in our preseason preview all year long. They looked like we projected them to look. Yep. Finova straight set win at the number one spot. She swapped with Connie Ma, who we saw struggle at the national indoors, though Ma, a straight set win over Shavatapan at two. Blokina, the straight set win over Rapalu at four. You then had uh, Blake with the clinch over Zainalova, six, four in the third at three. Choi also gets a seven, five in the third win over Zane and then Pashkaleva, the three set win over Valencia shoe. That's a really good win for Stanford, Jay. Yeah, it's a really dominant win, too, right? I mean, they were almost close to winning all six singles matches in this yeah. match. Uh, this is a team we just talked about North Carolina doubles. Like Stanford has to figure out doubles. Um, this is always a weak spot for them. Uh, but look, they have they needed this win, right? They do not have a top 20 opponent on their schedule for the remainder of the year. And so this win gets them into the top 16, but I mean, they're basically guaranteed to be outside the top eight at this point, but they needed this win and they needed it really badly and coming outdoors and playing that match at Texas. Uh, it was a really good showing for them. I thought Yepa Finova stepping into that one position over really solid. Nicole Kieran was a good win for her. This was the Stanford team that we thought we would see shades of, at the beginning of the season, right? We didn't see this Stanford team at indoors. So we'll see if they can carry this momentum through uh, a slightly weaker Pac-12 season. Yeah, they did switch up their doubles teams, right? They played Blake Blokina. They played Choi Yepafanova, Shu Ma. I don't think that's what we saw round of 16. at the Shu and Choi uh, were flipped 
at, yeah right yeah they switched the two and three yeah um look i really liked what i saw from yepefanova at the indoor she has the weapons to assert herself has the size the length to compete against anyone at that number one spot and again connie ma is one shot better than you and to see this win over someone with the weapons that shavathapan possesses that means again a little bit of swagger back for connie ma Blake just wins matches like Angelica Blake. All she does, Jay, is win. As her coach likes to say in the stands. Yes, she wins a lot of matches. And I mean, this was an incredible win over Zainalova, who last season just dropped one dual match all season. So uh, at at three, Zainalova is as close to a lock as you get there. Uh, I mean, Blake looked dominant in indoors. You thought maybe, you know, less so outside with her kind of more flat uh ground strokes taking the ball early but I mean, that was a great match um she looked excellent i mean yeah she's looking she's looking really good you concerned about texas at all not really i mean talk to us in april yeah. right uh you know there's just a lot of pieces a lot of new players getting acclimated to texas you know i think it does hurt that they don't have peyton stearns or someone like that anchoring the top of the lineup that they've been used to when they have found this success they certainly have the depth uh, to compete with anyone. It's really that question at kind of one, two um, on, on who can anchor the top of that lineup. Yeah, really well said. Well, then with that in mind, let's move on to the other things we think you need to know. I said we were going to get back to Ohio State. Let's do that now. Yeah, they dropped the 5-2 at AM. They also dropped 4-3 at home to NC State. Schneider with the three-set clinch in the end over Ratliff at the number one spot, 7-6 in the third. She fought off a match point. You tweeted out the, the video. I mean, look, for this NC State team, they go on the road. Schneider and Smith clinch at the number one double spot, 7-6 there. Then Smith, 6-2 in the third. Schneider, 7-6 in the third. Rejecki wins 4-4 over Allen at that three spot. Now, that's glass half full for NC State. I would say for Ohio State, Boulay gets a much-needed 6-4 win uh, in the third at four. Brisniak continues her run she can compete with anyone at that five spot she gets a 6-4 win in the third and then Marzell four and one over the freshman for NC State like seven six in 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 a set of doubles comes down to a breaker comes down to a couple three set matches Ohio State goes two and two in those three setters they were right there like they were right there with this NC State team but again NC State huge win for them considering they weren't at the national indoors I know I just took a lot of things. Your thoughts, Jay? Well, I'm actually going to turn it back to you. So Diana Schneider ranked 90 in the world, right? Taking on Sydney Ratliff, ranked 22 in the ITA rankings. I think a lot of people would not expect this match to come down to 7-6 in the third. What do you attribute the closeness of this match to? Is this Schneider not playing well? The level of college tennis being much higher than people expect. The elements of crowd and the facility and indoors and fast courts. Don't say all the above. What say you? All of the above. (laughs) But also including the fact that I think no ad is a major factor as well. I think just Mm -hmm. again, the longer the match, the more the strengths of Schneider are emphasized or accentuated against Sidney Ratliff versus look. 
the pressure you feel on a deuce point, Schneider, particularly as someone who's going to go for her shots, you're a little bit nervous. You strike the ball two, uh, you know, 0.2 seconds late, it sails on you. And I just think those sorts of things matter. Yes, I also think playing in the Ty Tucker Tennis Center is different, even than playing in front of a Melbourne crowd that falls in love with you as you continue to have success. You know, you fight off a match point in Columbus. They're not happy with you. They are angry with you and they're going to let you hear it. And, you know, again, for her and Smith to come through in the doubles point, for her to come through seven, six in the third, that tells me that those weapons are real. That push comes to shove. She is going to continue to swing freely, be herself down the home stretch. Again, this NC State team is really good and they've proven it subsequently since uh, since losing kickoff weekend. They haven't lost since they've had Schneider on the roster. Now, credit to Ratliff, who is athletic enough to take some punches from Schneider, sends him back on her own. If anything, this tells me more about Ratliff than it does Schneider. And that gets back to, again, the level of college tennis is extraordinarily high right now. But like, how about Alana Smith, who's playing at a top 25 level again? Isn't that the big story, how healthy she has looked throughout the course of this dual match play? And it's like, We saw how good she was at the number two spot in 2021. Two years later, she's as good there. And now their depth becomes real. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think what was interesting about Schneider's start, though, is that she has not looked dominant. She has not looked like she's won. She has won. But you look at the score lines of an Emma Navarro or Peyton Stearns last year. Right. Those two were clearly a cut above but and dominating score lines. Right. They were also sophomores in their second years. And here's the difference. Emma's freshman year. She was that good. Like Emma's fresh. Like this reminds me of Peyton's freshman year where there were some back and forth. And Peyton did a lot of winning, but it wasn't as clean as it became in year two. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how. Schneider evolves, particularly as they move outdoors. I think she will be much better outdoors than indoors. Well, she also lost first round this week in Austin. I forget. She tough draw, but I know she lost first round this week in the WTA 250. Diana Schneider to not, Elise, yeah, not in Austin, Elise in, in Mexico. In Mo- yeah. yeah, in Monterey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and so maybe she does. She come back for another year. <laughs> I think there's Unlikely. a lot, to, a lot to play out uh, yeah, until exactly. then. Uh, but one thing on Ohio State, I will say, I, this was a very impressive win. They were without Sophie Abrams, uh, who has played at the four yep. or five spot for them. And she has been, I mean, yeah, you have Schneider, but she's been a, really a lock for them to start the season. She's been playing so well. Uh, so that to go on the road without one of your top six at a facility that has long been held as one of the tougher places to play in college tennis Really good win for NC State, asserting themselves as, you know, they're a top eight team unequivocally. Yeah, well said. All right, let's move on. Syracuse breaking through wins over Florida State and Miami. They're going to be top 16 right now, Jay. Yeah. Uh, Yes, they are. Uh, Tough loss for Miami, right? Obviously a very tough trip for either school to go play the other in February because just the conditions are so radically different. The Miami women's team tweeted out a video of them getting off the bus and they're just stepping into snow. It, it you know, quite miserable for people who are uh, pl- used to playing in Miami, but great win for Syracuse. You know, not many undefeated teams left in college tennis right now, and Syracuse is one of them. Yeah, look, I mean, Syracuse takes doubles three, four, and five against Florida State. They take one, two, five, and six against uh, against Miami. It's doing it everywhere. 
It's yep. extraordinarily impressive for the Syracuse team, who I'm excited to get to watch more of because I don't know the most of them. But hey, again, move over Iowa State. Syracuse is coming for that spot. And if they're another top 16 in the ACC mix, if I, you know, again, tough loss for Miami on paper, though, you still feel like that team's going to get someone throughout the course of this year. The depth is once again very, very real in this ACC, and Syracuse certainly a part of the mix now. Uh, let's move on to again uh, some of the headlines here. We talked about the Big Ten earlier. Rough weekend for Iowa. Four three loss to DePaul. Lost to Iowa State as well. It's I, that first time, right? I, I believe for the graphic that was the first time. Yeah, first time uh, in program yeah, history. Iowa State knocked off Iowa. So tough weekend for them. On the flip side, though, Illinois wins over Alabama. Arizona, they're solidifying themselves as another top 40 tournament Big Ten team, which, again, the conference is in desperate need of. Thoughts on everything that transpired for the Big Ten? Well, I think on the Illinois front, like those wins over in Alabama, getting an SEC win, getting a Pac-12 win over uh, Arizona, those are the sort of wins that when you're looking at that cut line come you know May and it's 44. It's like those are the ones that can really get you over the hump. So I, I like that scheduling for them. Uh, good to get on the road. This is an Illinois team that I think is, you know, getting better and better each year. Kind of maybe not the same leaps that Wisconsin has made in this year, apparently, but still pushing right into that top 40, into that top 30. Um, so a, a solid roster for them. I was yeah. tough, right? To come back after, you know, losing, you know, Alexa Noel and, you know, losing their associate head coach. So, you know, it rebuilding years for the Iowa program. Yeah, well said on both fronts. Last one, Princeton gets the win. They knock off Old Dominion, 4-3. They needed it. They got it, Jay. Yeah, and that is going to pay off significantly in the rankings, an Old Dominion team who's found themselves in the top 20. So Princeton finding some of those wins, right? Finding the the wins on the road against some of these teams, um, you know, Anytime you have, you know, a top five player in Daria Freeman uh, at the helm there, you know, you feel good about your chances and Princeton always has the depth. Um, and it's really just about um, who's showing up on what day uh, to get those wins. Drop the doubles point wins at one, three, five and six. Freeman had the huge fall Nats last year as well. Didn't have the greatest dual match season. She has had that good of a dual match season start this year. She has looked like the number three player in the country as she is currently ranked. Any other results catch your eye that we didn't mention, Jay? So we talked about the Virginia swing for both North Carolina and Duke. I mean, you play your game of what? Bad loss, <laughs> good loss. Uh, how about good, good losses? Yeah, sure. yeah, whatever it is. I'm calling it good loss. Uh, sure. Good loss for Virginia Tech losing to Duke 4-3 and North Carolina 4-3. Um, now, that was a, a Duke full strength team without Georgia Drummy. North Carolina had a little bit of a different lineup there, but you know, maybe another team to keep an eye on in the ACC, Virginia yeah. Tech. No, absolutely. Well said. Wake Forest had a pretty solid weekend as well. They got a win over Illinois. I think they got a win. I forget who the other one was over. Oh, Texas Tech as well. That's who it was in the blue-gray, um, which, of course, was this past weekend. Yeah, Notre Dame continues to look really good. And, you know, they knocked off Clemson this past weekend. That's another top 25 team in the mix at the ACC that we haven't said their name recently as well. Jay, you're making a face. Georgia Tech. Georgia yeah, Tech sure. gets the win 2-0 and on the weekend over Notre Dame and Clemson. Yeah, That has now put them back into the top 25. We talked about them last week. Uh, 
again, these teams that secure these early wins like a Notre Dame and then these other teams kind of like feast off of those wins. Uh, I mean, the ACC just has a lot of highly ranked teams right now. Yeah, it's the best conference pound for pound in women's college tennis. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, again, with all that said, let's look at the rankings. Do they reflect that fact? Let's start with our Cracked Rackets rankings here. Our top 10 coming into month number three of the season. Not a shock that North Carolina sits in the top spot for us. Of course, following after them, you have Texas A&M, then Georgia, Michigan four, NC State five, Iowa State six, Ohio State 7, Auburn 8, Stanford 9, and Pepperdine 10. Jay, what stands out most to you? Well, I think the Auburn ranking still stands out to me. I know that they were ranked 5 last week in the ITA rankings. Seems like some of our voters have them fairly high. Still, uh, I do not have them as high. That's the one that stands out to me. Otherwise, directionally, I think this looks pretty good. I looked at the the problem is I did the best wins as I was looking in my own head, not just the rankings, but who has the better wins and Auburn beat Pepperdine. And it's like and uh, you just can't knock them for that. It's like both teams have beaten UCF, you know, Pepperdine beat Florida, but Auburn beat Pepperdine. And so that's why I think they hold on to that spot. The big thing, what don't I see in this top 10? And I agree with it, by the way, it would be reflected in my top 10 as well. No Duke, no Texas, no Oklahoma. I mean, we're two months into the season, and again, like Those if are I'm looking, three of let, your four semifinalists. So let me just ask you this: of yeah, are they really of from last year? Oh, oh, okay. I was like, are they my three, my four semifinalists? I thought you meant those were the three teams. Oh, that, oh, that you're I predicting. was like, I was like, tell me that's not true, Jay. <laughs> um, all right. The point is, if I would have told you that, I agree. Before the season, you would have been shocked. Let me ask you this: of the those three teams, if you think those three are going to end this season top ten still, which again, Oklahoma. Duke and who's in Texas. Texas. First of all, let's start with just those three teams. Who are you most confident in of those three right now? Texas. No doubt. Not really. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm going to go with the team that's done it the past two years, right? I would say Duke, you know, the least about Texas. You're the most intrigued in Oklahoma is going to be in the mix. It's just, is their ceiling as high as these other teams still moving forward? If you were to replace those three teams, what three of the current top 10 are you kicking out come the end of the year? Oh, of this? Okay, Auburn. Okay. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the easiest one. Yeah. No no disrespect to that program. It's just the top and talent of the others. And am I Scotty kicking... B, by the way, says Texas. He agrees with you as well. That that's Thank you, Scotty B. Confident. Yeah, that's the right answer. Uh, hmm. Am I doing this on based on likelihood of being in top eight or who I, who I would kick out? based on my projections i want jay's projections we'll save the math for the mathematicians okay uh auburn Mm -hmm. ohio state okay and iowa state i mean if texas gets back in it's because they beat iowa state it's because they beat oklahoma right so one of those three teams is going to be top eight and by the way oklahoma state had a decent weekend as well i don't want to forget what they did i know they got a pretty solid when i'm blanking over whom over um yeah fair i think there's a big 12 spot in the top eight can the big 10 really get two maybe if michigan goes and beats pepperdine on the road then definitely they could um 
Yeah, and I guess Auburn. I guess that's who it has to be because you don't think there's no way the SEC is getting three top eight. I don't believe it. So, yeah, I think by process of elimination, those are the fair teams. I think you put Michigan or Ohio State. It's just right now Michigan has beaten Ohio State. So that's probably why you have to go Michigan. But that's our top 10. Look at the ITA top 10. Texas A&M back up to number two. They trail North Carolina, Ohio State three, NC State four, Michigan five, Georgia six, Iowa State seven, Auburn eight, Pepperdine nine, Texas still at that 10 spot. That's fine. I have no issues. Yeah, me neither. All right. Well, well then with that, I mean, yeah, other than the issues. I can find issues, but it's fine. Yeah, it's exactly. Well, then with that said, let's move to the week ahead because it is an exciting one. And let's start with the matches we aren't going to be covering here at Cracked Rackets. Let's start with the Michigan West Coast trip. They play matches at Cal, at Pepperdine. Cal has to have it against Michigan. Absolutely has to have it. Pac-12 needs it as well. Look, the Pepperdine, if they want to be top eight, Got to get this one. And they've got Oklahoma State coming to town this weekend as well. It's a big weekend for the Waves. They're looking for 2-0. and If you're Michigan, I mean, look, the, with what you saw coming out of the National Indoors, you absolutely aren't afraid to go on the road and beat Pepperdine in Malibu. It's going to be fun tennis, Jay. Well, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think Pepperdine rolls in this match. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Michigan's path to victory here starts at the bottom half of the lineup. Uh, But look, this is going to be a tough test for Michigan going out West playing in those conditions. I think they do win this Cal match. I was just looking at the weather. It's not going to rain, which has been uh, a challenge here in the Bay area the past few weeks and months. So uh, they'll get that match in, which is good. They'll beat Cal. And I think, um, Look, we talked about that Pepperdine team doubles and the strength of that lineup is just just really tough. And if you're going to have, you know, a team that can knock off a Jaden Brown, a Kari Miller, a Kari Miller versus Lisa Zarr. I mean, I, I wonder if they're going to play clinch or not, because that one would take a very long time. Oh, my God. So if that match finishes, it's 4-3. Here's the thing. If, Mich- if Michigan goes 1-1 one one in the top two, I think they win the match. If Pepperdine goes 2-0, oh, I think Pepperdine wins the match. And... Because yeah. it's at home, I'd lean Pepperdine. I still think it's going to be really good tennis. Uh, we're probably broad. I Not probably. We will be broadcasting during it. It will be open on a side tab. I promise <laughs> all of you listeners. Um, All right. Oklahoma State at Pepperdine. Again, I want to see them get a big win as well. We They looked good against Michigan in that home matchup and kickoff weekend. They got a good win uh, this weekend. Who did they beat? Let's figure this out. They beat South Carolina 4-0. That was the win that they got this weekend. It's really solid on the road. Um, I think that one's important. And then how about this? UCLA and USC at Washington. Washington getting with a win over Vanderbilt. Massive for the conference. Will the love be spread? Is Washington just straight up better than USC and UCLA? What do you expect in this weekend, Jay? I think I would expect Washington to go one and one. And if I had to guess, I would say that they beat UCLA and lose to USC. Um, I think USC, even if they have questions with the depth so far this season, I think that the top of that lineup should be enough to get wins uh, at Washington, UCLA. I just have not been impressed with what we've seen thus far. And I think, you know, Washington is a much more battle tested team now that they've gone through indoors than this UCLA squad is. Bruins need it. Have to have it. No doubt about it. Uh, Yeah. If you're Washington, at least one and one, you want to go two and zero to stay in that top 16 hunt. But 
Uh, yeah, that, that's a fun weekend of tennis at the Nordstrom Tennis Center. I think Kansas at Old Dominion is pretty fun as well. But let's get into the conference play that starts this weekend. And this is where I get to announce that our Crack Rackets team is thrilled to have broadcast all season long. The rest of the way for the SEC and the ACC we will have SEC broadcasts every Thursday and Friday uh, coming on ESPN+. Plus. I was going to say our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. That's not true, folks. We'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Watch ESPN, I believe, is the formal terminology for it. Now you'll be able to find our Crack Rackets SEC cross-court cast on that Watch ESPN app. Again, every Thursday, Friday, we'll be sure to tweet out the six-hour windows. We'll be doing it's available on SEC Plus as well, which is the disclaimer I'm supposed to be giving from super producer Daniel Westoff. Again, I believe it's six-hour windows, you know, five to six-hour windows of matches. Uh, we'll be jumping around, of course, from team to team. We'll try to feature certain matches each and every week as well. Make sure we spread the love, not only between every team, but, of course, between the men and the women as well. That's every Thursday, every Friday, SEC+. Plus. We're extraordinarily excited, of course. We also will have ACC coverage every Friday, every Saturday. Also on Watch ESPN, also on ACC Network Plus, I believe as well. Uh, excuse me, I said Friday and Saturday. Every Friday and Sunday. Thank you, Super Producer Danny Westoff, for the corrections. Um, and again, that coverage starts this Thursday. We'll have it for you, and we're just as excited as for doing the SEC in year two as we are to do year ACC year one because we talked about it. ACC women's tennis is the most loaded conference in the country, and we'll have some of the best matchups every Friday, every Sunday for all of you tennis fans. Again, six-hour windows across the board. That means we're going to be working in multiple producers, multiple commentators as well. We're ready to bring our college tennis coverage to the next level, Jay. Um, obviously, if you have any thoughts on that, feel free to share them. We don't need any praise from you, Jay. You do that enough to us. But just thoughts on the SEC, ACC schedules this weekend. All right. I'll hold the praise and I'll give you some <laughs> yeah. ho- some homework. Okay. Uh, and I know you're going to assign this to Westhoff, but I would love a graphic Thursday through Sunday What are we showing? Give me the conference logo. I don't need the matches. I just need to know where, what I'm watching, where I can watch it, when. Very fair. I'll say this. We're on it. The problem is with all the moving parts, because we also have our Big Ten coverage on Sundays as well, which we're extraordinarily excited for year two of. Double up. Amen. Doubling up on Fridays too. SEC, ACC, baby. We're rocking and rolling. It's it's going to be a fun three months for super producer Daniel Westoff and I, which is why he's like, end this show, Alex, so I can get back to work preparing. Um, we're really excited. Um, there will be graphics with the windows, with what you can expect, the matches that are going to be playing, what we plan to be focusing on. Uh, we'll have those graphics for you each and every week. Again, we're still putting that all together because it's going to be a fun ride. But yeah. We're excited. I know I will say this weekend from the ACC front, Notre Dame's at Duke, at UNC. They go one and one. We have to start taking them seriously as a top 16 sort of team. UVA at Syracuse. Go beat UVA if you're Syracuse. Prove you are top 16 good. Georgia Tech at NC State. Clemson at Wake and NC State. Miami at Florida State. One of those teams in desperate need of a win. Uh, Talk to me about that ACC schedule, Jay. Well, I think those top two are, are really interesting, right? Notre Dame, how serious should we be taking them? We'll know more this weekend. And also for Duke as well, right? UVA is a match that they want wanted to win. This Notre Dame team, this is another good litmus test for them of like, can we at least get these sort of like top 20 caliber wins? 
yeah, UVA at Syracuse. I mean, if you're a Virginia fan, you're you know salivating at the thought of a top 16 win mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, and look, we get to see more NC State. Uh, we'll see if if Schneider is back for those matches. You know, she just lost today. You know, so um, those could be interesting as well. Um, lots of ACC play, a lot of ranking points up for grabs this weekend. Very well said. Of course, we also have SEC play, and you look on the women's side, AM at Florida. You've got LSU there as well. I mean, tons of good SEC matches throughout the course of the day. Uh, Vanderbilt on the road at Ole Miss at Mississippi State. They need to get some wins to build the confidence back. Arkansas at Georgia, I think, is a pretty fun one as well. Any SECers stand out to you, Jay? Well, I think we talked about the one that should be yeah. the closest, which is Florida, Texas AM, and at least have some of the most. Uh, implications on ranking uh arkansas did go to oklahoma they they lost that match it wasn't as close as i was expecting so uh not sure what we'll see uh with the georgia match on the georgia side though looking to see again how does kowalski look uh she struggled there at the four position and who are they slotting in at five and six yeah very well said well folks that's your look at the week ahead. And again, we'll have SEC broadcast for you every Thursday and Friday, SEC Plus every Friday and Sunday for the ACC, ACC Network Plus. And then, of course, Big Ten on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel every Sunday as well. A shout out in advance to Super Producer Daniel Westoff. I know what he's been doing behind the scenes to make all of those broadcasts possible. With that said, though, that's the past week in the Division One Women's College Tennis World. Any final thoughts, Jay, before we wrap today's show? No, but I am very excited about Watch ESPN. Yes, I appreciate you saying that. And again, why I'm asking hold for praise, there will inevitably be some lumps early on. That's what happens when you work in new producers, new commentators. But we ask you, be patient, of course, with us folks, as we know these broadcasts are only going to get better and better as the season progresses. With all of that said, for the fantastic John J. Parsons, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for our dearest friends at LS, who we are excited to have with us this season and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow night. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.